I ran across a verse uh, a friend sent to me, and I, I had to, uh, I thought, wow, this kind of uh, really hit with what we've been talking about the past couple weeks. I'm sorry, I don't have any uh, games today. We won't be playing uh, Would You Rather. But if you ever see the board game, that's a really great board game. Um, get the board game for your family. They make a kid's version too, uh, Would You Rather. Um, but uh, Psalm 37, verses 3 through 6, in the message translation, reads a little something like this. Get insurance with God and do a good deed. Settle down and stick to your last. Keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. To use an old-fashioned term, stamp you with approval at high noon. That just hit me. That Really, honestly, um, it, was, uh, it was early this morning, and I, it just... You know, you know how things sometimes get your attention. And it just really got my attention. And going back to talking about what I've been prattling on about for the past couple of weeks, um, about preaching what you practice, I think it just goes part and parcel. Get, I like that. Get insurance with God and do a good deed. Settle down, stick it to your last. Stick to your last. Keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Hold nothing back. He'll do what needs to be done and will validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. I, I shared yesterday at the funeral service, um, again, as I shared earlier, from Revelation. And you know what? I'm just going to go there. And I don't know if I put the verses up there or not, Jose. I really don't think I did. But the seventh chapter of Revelation, starting with verse 9. If you want to go along with me, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Just because I like it and it's powerful. There's, there was a. Uh, anybody ever hear the? Anybody ever hear the? It was a. It was a song on one of the uh, Gaither vocal band albums. These were they who have come out of great tribulation. Boy, that was a powerful song. I have to find the music for that sometime. Anyhow, starting with verse nine, Revelation chapter seven. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne. And before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. He said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They will neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes 
I was thinking about symbols as I was sharing earlier. A lot of symbols in here. A lot of ideas to convey meaning. In preaching what we practice, and in coming at it last Sunday from the angle of surviving the holidays, and I wasn't trying to make fun of Martha Stewart's calendar, just, you know, uh, the idea of people putting pressure on themselves for Christmas. A lot of details God put into Christmas. Lots of details we put into Christmas, too, as we observe, you know, for our families, with our children. God's got all the details lined up. And we're celebrating Christmas soon. We're preparing for that. Let's remember, as I touched on last Sunday, let's remember there is a future event that we should be planning for even more than just this Christmas. One day, in case you forgot it, in case you never heard it, which I know we've all heard it, cheer yourself up and cheer somebody else up with the idea that one of these days, Jesus is going to call for us. Jesus is going to call for the saints who have already passed on before us, and one day Jesus is going to call for us. Maybe we've lost hope. Maybe we've kind of lost heart and wonder, is it really going to happen soon? Again, I don't know. I'm not going to try to put my finger on it. We'll leave that for some people who like to try to do that, which I, I will say it's near. I will say I believe it's near, but I'm not trying to put a stamp on it. We get into real sticky territory that way. But if we know the end game, if we know the end result, doesn't it help us to, I don't want to say, I want to, I don't want to call it a game, but doesn't it help us to play the game better? Can I say that? Does that make sense? If we know the end result from Scripture, from looking at Revelation, what's the book, what's the book of Revelation about, by the way? What's Revelation about? Just, just, just your, your thought. There, there, there's no right or wrong here. I'm not, I'm not. But just, just spitballing. What do you think of when you think of the book of Revelation? End times. End times? Okay. Does anybody ever think scary? I do. Personally, I do. I, I can remember as a kid, and I just, this is really neat. The past couple of weeks, I got in touch with my best friend from childhood. Um, and we used to sit in children's church. It wasn't in this church, but we used to sit in children's church, and friends, let me tell you something. Our children's church teacher, I thank God for you people that teach children's church and convey the love of Jesus, but Greg's smiling because he, Greg knows who I'm alluding to, but I remember being in children's church. I could feel hell's flames licking at my feet. I could smell brimstone. I remember crying in children's church. I remember weeping out of fear, okay? I remember weeping out of fear in children's church because of the book of Revelation. It really has a large part to do with how twisted I am, I suppose. But anyhow, to me, and Beth, thank you for agreeing, to me, uh, the book of Revelation really uh, has connotations about it that at first blush, I think, is scary, because it's all these creatures that I don't understand and I don't recognize, and these scenarios where half the earth is destroyed and the moon's going crazy, and all these symbols that are contained in there. But the book of Revelation is about, yes, 
end times thing, but it is not about, it is the revelation of the Christ to John. It is about the revelation of our Jesus and what he wants to accomplish in our lives and in history. God does not want you to be scared about the future. If it scares you, read through it or jump to the end. We win. God wins. And it will be okay. All right? For those who don't believe, there will be scary scenarios, yes. Okay? But it is about God's grace and mercy that He wants to shower upon our lives. That is what Revelation is about. And if we understand, if we look at Revelation and look at everything leading up to it in the Bible with the idea in mind that in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, it's new heaven and new earth. No more crying. In the end, no more crying. In the end, no more hunger. No more thirst. You know, we we talk about hunger. And this time of year, people, uh, charities, you know, people tend to give more to charities this time of year as they're thinking about it. But... You know, in the United States, there are, in my opinion, few that know true hunger. Um, when we get into other places around the world, yes, there are people who know what true hunger is. But in the end, no more hunger. No more drought. No more people dying because there's no water. No more heat of day. No more fear. No more tears. In the end, all is well in the presence of of Jesus. So trying to get to the rest of my sermon from last week, which I don't know if I will or not, but we talked last week about looking forward to and making plans for a future event. We said we should be alert and be watchful. Um, we said we should be motivated to live godly lives. Uh, what was the third one that I had? Uh, encouraging each other with the idea that Jesus is coming back. Uh, fourthly, we said we should persevere. Okay. God has made preparations. God has made plans for the future. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though dead, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus said this to Mary and Martha. about their brother who had not really perished. They thought their brother was gone. And Jesus essentially said, and I'm not trying to put words into Jesus' mouth, but Jesus essentially said, I loved your brother like he was my own. Don't you realize who I am or remember what powers I have? Do you imagine for a moment that I would allow death to interrupt our friendship, which has meant so much to both of us? And Romans 8.38 tells us that it would be unthinkable that death would separate us from Jesus. Now, in raising Lazarus from the dead, we see if it was so easy for Jesus, why doesn't He do that everywhere and everyone? But I think Jesus was giving us an image and an idea here that He is the resurrection and the life. And He's giving us a picture. He was giving them a picture of things to come. The Bible says that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But I want to speak of the resurrection briefly. 
There's three reasons why we need a resurrection. Okay? Our bodies. Our bodies are an essential part of our personality, okay? I'm not complete. Just my soul, just my spirit is not enough. It's got to have this to go along with it. Which I saw my mother yesterday and she's like, you're so gray. I'm like, thanks, Mom. (laughs) What's that? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, it just sometimes spills out, but yeah, it's. um... Oh, yeah. Our pastor has lost weight. The guy's what, down 15 pounds? Yeah. Um, but we need the body, okay? Body is an essential part of who we are. Can't have one without the other. All right? So, when Jesus offers redemption, when he's talking about the resurrection, it's for all of us. No, I didn't suck that out of my thumb. I got that from Romans the 8th chapter. I want you to know that. Okay. So according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? When we pass away, is the Spirit here anymore? No. The Spirit's gone. The Spirit's with God. Okay? However, in the resurrection, what happens? Bodies, spirits reunited once again. And according to 1 Corinthians 15, 26... In order to undo the result of sin, our final enemy must lose. Our final enemy is the grave. The grave has to lose. That's why we need a resurrection. We need to beat the grave. Jesus promises us that He's going to give it to us. I believe it. Does it sound a little bit crazy if you think about it? Sure. But I believe it. God's Word says it, and I need it. Okay. Also, why the resurrection? Both Testaments, Old and New, teach about a resurrection. And our resurrected body will be much like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. I'm going all over the map, I know. I'm sorry, but that's okay. You're used to that for me being scatterbrained. Did I say I'm sorry? I wasn't supposed to say that, was I, Judy? I'm sorry. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're guaranteed what Jesus achieved. Jesus guaranteed it by doing it Himself. The first fruits of creation. Friends, it'll happen for us too. Matthew 28, 6. All over the map. Here he goes. Matthew 28, 6. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Listen, it happened for Jesus. Okay? At his own death and resurrection, Jesus descended into, in the Old Testament, the word was Sheol. Okay? Jesus changed. The whole notion of hell. Jesus changed the whole notion, if you remember the old-fashioned word, Hades. Okay, Jesus changed everything. It was all part of God's plan, but Jesus changed it up. The Bible said that Jesus went into Sheol and led the saints out. 
it was the resting place, this Hebrew word, was the resting place for both righteous, for both, excuse me, righteous and unrighteous. The righteous were waiting for the Messiah to come deliver them. Okay, if you want to look this up, write this down. Job 14, 13. I'm not talking crazy here. It's in God's Word, okay? Job 14, 13. Psalm 88, 3. And Genesis 37, verses 34 and 35. Jesus brought changes to the spiritual world for you and for me. He was all part of God's plan to redeem us. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. You understand what I'm driving at here is this: God is making plans. God has been busy since creation making plans. We've been planning for Christmas. How long have you been planning for Christmas? How long do people how long do people when do you start shopping for Christmas? December when? 26th, Brian shops the day after. Okay, yes, for those of us who shop for Christmas on Christmas Eve, God's been planning longer than we have, okay? Is there anybody out here who starts like something crazy in the summer? Or anybody shops for Christmas in June or July for Christmas? Anybody? No? Ruthie? Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, those people are more like Jesus than I would say. <laughs> They're planning for a long time. Me, I'm last minute Charlie. Okay, so anyhow, you understand? We've been furious about Christmas. It'll get crazy in a couple of weeks when things wind down and people realize, oh no, we're not done. And Stephanie and I were talking things that we need to do and making plans and we'll go to the mall and we'll split up. Okay, um, you know, trying to get it done. God's got it under control. God's been busy. Let's make plans for the future God has made available to us. Let's preach what we practice. Let's preach what we believe. It's not enough to live a quiet faith. We need to open our mouths once in a while. Right? Once in a while, we just got to open our mouths up and let our Heavenly Father come out. So, anyhow, back to this. 1 Corinthians 15.53 for this corruptible, this body, needs to put on something un, in, un, incorruptible, incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. We will take on immortality one day. And our bodies will be renewed and they will be incorruptible. Not disease can't touch them. Death can't touch them. We will have a new body. And... The people who are alive, faithful remaining, will experience the same resurrection as those who are dead in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, I read 53, starting with verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, speaking of death, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." And according to 1 John 3, 1 through 2, we will be changed. We will be like Jesus. Heaven is coming someday. Yes, Christmas is coming. Heaven is coming too. Okay. So, should that affect the way I live my life today? Should it affect the way I'm making Christmas preparations? Sure. 
Should I prepare for Christmas? Yes. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong observing our Savior's birth and remembering in a few short months, we'll also be celebrating our Savior's resurrection, which really sets us apart from other faiths, which makes it all possible. He came, the little manger is not out yet. We have that little wooden manger. It's up on the shelf in there. He came born into a manger scene. That's a little wooden one. What Jesus was born into is probably something out of stone and was very crude, I'm certain. But it was all part of the plan. He didn't come just to celebrate this moment. His purpose was to come and die and be raised again. That's God's purpose. God has a purpose for us, you and I. He's got a plan. And everything that we go through, we have to believe and trust that God is working all things together for our good who are in Jesus. Just like Jeremiah. I know that I have plans that I have for you. Hope, future. God has a plan for us. Let's discover God's plan. Let's prepare for the future. We know how it's going to end. It ought to affect how we play the game now.